Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for junior sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 21st. Virginia coming off of a, um, a brutal, I guess you could call that fourth quarter, at least the end, uh, that one segment of it, brutal um, fourth quarter after a slow start, a 40-23 loss at Wake Forest, um, where the Cavaliers not only did not have their quarterback, came up with a pretty good three-headed monster, though, uh, did not have their quarterback, did not have their presumed potential starting running back returning um, or making his debut, as the case may be, and didn't have uh, lost several defensive backs, um, for which there has been no update. So, you know, lots of things to be excited about as the Cavaliers get ready for number 11 Miami on Saturday night. We will talk about the loss in Winston-Salem. We'll talk about this game down in Miami Gardens and um, hopefully do so um, <laughs> to give you something something to be entertained by. Uh, let's go around and get get going, get started. Um, let's introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my man? It's going pretty good, Brad. 2020 has been something. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Miami's good. Virginia's not. Yeah, whatever. Who days on the board at who days on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program, but not yet. <laughs> uh, Ferber had something going on tonight, um, and because of some scheduling stuff, we wanted to try tonight instead of last night. So he will join us late, hopefully. If for some reason he doesn't join us, um, then all of uh, you have you all have my apologies. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So not a whole lot of witty banter happening Saturday night, man. Uh, there came a point in that game that I like to call the um, – uh, what's the – no, that's not – what is it called? Um, Surrender Cobra, right? Yeah. Right? Yep. All right. I, my my version of that as a sports writer is when I stop taking the play-by-play, right? It's like when I'm like, yep, yeah. this thing's – I don't need to know what happened on this second down and seven, right? Um, and I definitely got there the other night. And that's now two games in a row. Um, th- no, sorry, three games in a row I've gotten there. And quite frankly, I don't think I've gotten to three of those in forever, which I think sort of underscores just how odd this all is. Dave, um, you've had a few days now to marinate. <laughs> still salty. Still salty, still angry. What, yeah. what, what's, what, what, what is providing the most salt at this point? I mean, to me, look, I mean, I, let's put things – I got pretty salty as that game went on. I mean, you know, got some – <laughs> some personal stuff going on my wife recovering from surgery which is adding to my stress level to start with but um to be honest like you know when, when you go into a game knowing you're missing your starting quarterback and you know we started to hear some some smoke leading up to the game that there was going to be something interesting happening at the quarterback position for virginia uh, um you go in kind of expecting like well, we'll see what the offense can put together, but again, you know, a team we thought would rely heavily on its defense returning many players that that played last year. Um, I mean, what five minutes into the game, the defense had gotten burned twice um, and put the offense in a situation where they're playing from, you know, an offense that is missing a starting quarter, quarterback who doesn't have a lot of starting experience. Granted. But yet again, being forced to play from behind early in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it for me. It, it's look, I could I could forgive them if they were losing like you know seventeen to fourteen or something, um, and the offense is just trying to figure things out, especially with Brennan out. Right. Um, but when you're not seeing production from guys who you 
really expected to show out. Um, you know, obviously they've got some changes in the back end of the defense, but that front um, returned a lot of talent, or a lot of talent that produced you know various times last year, um, right. and they're just not doing it. And that I think to me that's what's most frustrating is because you know we've had years as Virginia fan, you know, following this program for the last what well, we been doing this podcast for what 12 years 10 like a long not, time i like to not think about how long we've been doing the podcast yeah but that either makes me feel older where, or makes me feel yeah. like we're uh you know we're no longer um hip and cool with our podcast you know what i mean yeah true true yeah we just started this last week <laughs> yeah we got to 380 episodes uh, real fast <laughs> but yeah you know, we've had years where you know you thought they sh- could be good right we, we've had like you know this player is, you know, got some playing time last year. He didn't produce, but he's got potential. Like a lot of this previous years where we kind of, we saw the team come out and kind of fall on their face a little bit to start the year. Um, it's been because they were a lot of what our hope or my personal hope was built on was, was potential, not proven production. This year is different. And I think that's why it's hitting me a little harder so far. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I liken it maybe to remember when uh, UVA hit that skid in basketball, right? Where they lost like four or five or something, four or five or was it five or six or something like that? And they had this like yep. it was like it was like the twilight zone a little bit, right? Yeah. And everybody was like, "Wait, what is happening?" And they kind of, I mean, some of that was true last year, right? Like, or God, what year actually was that? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, yeah that was beating last year. I guess yeah. that was last year. Okay, so but I mean. It, <laughs> This feels very odd, right? Like, we're so used to Virginia, like, having a scheme, you know, progressing as the season goes on, making changes as needed, getting the most out of guys. To see this defense with as much experience as it has, struggling the way it has struggled, you know, the Clemson game is one thing. Maybe a drop in the bucket somewhere else. But, every, but like, the by and large, right, other than – I mean, if, if Duke doesn't turn it over seven times, right, in that opener – what? Yeah. You know, like, it just seems very odd to me. And I think the fact that they rolled, I mean, there was something poetic. I tweeted about this, and I'm sure that I jinxed it. Um, but there was something very poetic about Virginia then, you know, one, the, the original sin of, you know, all of the quarterback changes we saw during the London era. But then also, too, like, what Bronco and, and Dan in Blacksburg that day, right, um, which I will never get over because it will it will always sit in my mind as one of the just the craziest things I've ever seen. These dudes rolled out with a three headed monster quarterback, and I was like, oh, this is this this could this could work, and it did. And frankly, it probably would have if the defense had not you know given up so many big plays down the field. And honestly, if maybe Doctor Bob had had stuck with a little bit more of uh, Thompson or Armstead, I think that probably would have worked. And that is bananas to me. Um, but it is very hashtag twenty twenty. Um, yeah, I think the thing that's sticking with me the most, though, is that this was an experienced defense coming off of last year. And Ferber's film room, I think, does a really good job of sort of illustrating, like, maybe the issues that they're seeing now were were already there and have been and continue to be there. We all expected, myself included, that this team, this defense would essentially come out there, not necessarily like just roll out, you know, and, and be fine. But like you had so many experienced pieces, typically speaking, especially in this program, experience you know, begets quality, right? It, it, it usually when you have experienced dudes, you get, you get, um, sequencing of good plays as, as Nick Howell said the other day. And the fact that they just haven't been able to do that boggles my mind. The only thing I can think of is that because the defensive backs are not what they've been. And we have to remember like Virginia has lost several 
NFL DBs of late, right? Tim Harris, Juan Thornhill, Bryce Hall. Like, the DBs who play in the league don't grow on trees, right? And the current crop of DBs right now, I think offensive coordinators are looking at them going, no, no, we're going to throw the ball at them. And what I saw on Saturday, man, was just – I mean, dude's not any. Everybody in a in a in a um, in a chase position. Nobody in a position to make a play on the ball. Nobody getting their head turned around, even if they could. Uh, it was it was hard to watch in some spots. Um, as you watch this defense, dude, what what stands out to you the most? Is it just that the lack of guys making plays on the ball? Is it the lack of havoc? I mean, they really have not. You know, other than you know, obviously against Duke a little bit, haven't really been able to do that. Even though they're getting a very nice push from both Briggs and Carter. Uh, what do you what do you think of the defense at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's a little head scratching. Um, obviously, there's a lot more film on what Bronco does with this group than there was at the beginning of last year. Um, and obviously, you, you don't have Bryce Hall, but you know, I what the when this defense is good, when the defense of the last two years is good, is when they're able to create create havoc. Um, I mean, the the play that generates. You know, quarterback sacks are big, but quarterback sacks, like even hitting a quarterback, is the most likely play to produce a turnover, um, which is all defense hasn't done the last couple day, couple games. Um, it's just putting, and they're not getting home. I mean, they're blitzing a lot, um, and they're just not getting there. They're getting as much pressure off just you know four guys rushing as they are when they bring five and six. Um, and I think their their tendencies are are a little clearer now, and other teams are reading it. Um, I mean, Wake Forest clearly schemed well against it. And look, to Virginia's credit, they for the middle part of the game they made some adjustments that worked. It's just when you come out forty eight to three in the four first quarter so far. Um, I mean, you wrote a little piece about complimentary football. Like, I mean, you're putting your offense an offense that you know is going to be, you know a work in progress you're putting them an average of 12 points down at the end of every first quarter um that's tough and given that what makes this defense good is, is creating havoc and, and bringing pressure when you're when you're when your opponent is playing by more than a score ahead they don't have to take chances they can hit you with draws they can they can run the ball on third down they can throw it to etn in the flats on third and 17 because they they have a lead already um, it's, you know, think back to that tech game, like, you know, Virginia got up early in that game and was able to create some, create some problems. And then tech kind of came back as the offense sputter. But at the end of the game, when tech knew they needed, you know, when, when they tech knew they needed to pass or Virginia knew tech needed to pass, they were able to bring pressure just because you can't, you know, what's the risk? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't want to point fingers at individual players, but I, mean, I think it's pretty clear that you know Snowden is not doing what we hoped. He's clearly they're scheming more to him, which is probably help helping free up Briggs and uh, and Carter when they're in a little bit. Um, but at some point, like you, you got to get home. Uh, DBs and their injuries are certainly going to add to it. And, and you know, I think Ferber is writing this piece today. Like either, yeah, you know, if you're not going to get home, you, it's better you're better served to to play soft soft coverage but ultimately it comes down to you know not crap in the bed in the first quarter you, you put yourself if, if you're struggling the worst thing you can do is you know, is put yourself two scores behind where the other team pretty much can do what they want um 
I, I don't know if there's an easy fix. You know, during the game Saturday, you know, you had you you had your entire starting group of DBs when that game started, um, and by the end, it was a mash unit. Uh, you know, Nelson, who is has been a star, you know, slot corner, had one of the, probably his worst games um, at UVA. Some of that's because you know the pressure couldn't get home on the plays he had coverage in. Um, you know, blood got hurt early. Cross struggled. Um, I thought Cross pre- played pretty well, but he had some struggling moments. But overall, like I think we talked about it a couple of my last podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's you don't really have any players that seem to advance where they were um, from last year right now, and and that's a problem. Whether that's COVID related or scheme related, you know, it's tough to say, but. The fact is, that's the problem with the defense. They've got enough talent, proven, you know, talent that is produced that should be able to do better than they're doing. And we're just not seeing it. I mean, we're, we're what, 15, 10, 15 minutes in this podcast. We haven't talked about the offense, which was going to be the question mark. Yeah. Um, I want to echo, first off, I like when I like when you talk and you say, you know, like you said in your piece or like Ferber said, like I like when the podcast becomes basically you telling me and Ferber how like good of a job we're doing. I appreciate that. Yeah, I keep sending pieces in and you don't publish them. <laughs> You're gonna have people believe in that. Uh but anyway, um Dave does not send pieces in that I don't publish. All right. If Dave wanted to have like a weekly column or something, I would give it to him in a heartbeat. Okay. <laughs> Content is king. All right. Um, but anyway, but Ferber said something. I don't know if he said it on the podcast last week or if it was in text or what, but I'm going to, I'm going to give him the credit, even if he actually didn't say it, but there's like, there's a fine line, right? It maybe actually was in the piece between good and mediocre, good to mediocre, me, sorry, good to great and mediocre. Right. And, Last year, Virginia was like right there on the line, but on the right side of it, on the correct side of it. And yet, time after time, they they made just enough plays to stay there, right? Right now, everything is going against them. So instead of them being on, you know, just over that line and consistently, you know, in the right um, in the right area, now they're all the way to the other side, right? So you've got the COVID piece, which I think in the grand scheme of things, we, we talked about, you know, defensive football is not the same just about anywhere right now, Um and there are so many different effects. It's like, you know, I, I, I make this comment and this joke a lot, but, you know, the pigs in Vegas, right? Nobody thought about the fact that, um, you know, when you didn't have the casinos open, all of that trash that normally would go to the hogs doesn't go to the hogs anymore, right? Um, so the pandemic is basically killing pig farmers in Nevada, right? Like, what? Um, this thing has tentacles. And one of the things I think that we have not really appreciated is – the far-reaching aspects of the way, not just that this affects the affected dudes mentally and physically, but also in terms of the game, right? Like, by the time, and I mean, two and a half months is a long time to be in preseason. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to make any excuses. I'm, I'm explaining why I think what these are the reasons why. Of all the years, you know, we talked about Dave's point, um, God, whenever that podcast was about, you know, culture. And this was not the year that you wanted to have a coaching change, right? We all thought that Virginia's culture would be enough to sort of pull them through this. And in some ways it was, except that it was the wrong year for them to have a change of quarterback. And it was the wrong year for them to need more physicality at certain positions. Right. So you lose Jordan Max. I mean, Dave's talked a lot about, you know, the middle of the field. And I think Nick Jackson has done a pretty good job. I think the pairing of Nick and, and Zane doesn't seem to be as fruitful as what Virginia has experienced in recent years. Right. It feels like if, if Nick had a Jordan Mack next to him, right, or Zane had a Jordan Mack next to him, 
And so I don't know if there's yeah. anything you yeah. can do schematically there because then you're taking experience off the field. And that's like that's like the antithesis, right, of what this staff does, right? They build you up so that then you have that experience and you can do something with it. They're very good at getting guys ready quick, as we saw in Broncos' first year. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure schematically if dudes are being asked to do the things that they should be being asked to do. You know, they've they've clearly decided that they needed to put Snowden in a different sort of role. Obviously, Noah Taylor has a, a different sort of package this year versus maybe last year. Um, I feel like he's 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 doing a lot more, as, as Nick called it, you know, safety stuff this year than he did last year. Um, there were times in this game where I felt like Snowden looked like he was finally kind of back at home. But, like, dude, when's the last time Virginia's outside linebackers went in and jumped up and batted down a ball, right? Like, that used to be a thing that happened all the time. And now it's just it, it's it's just very odd that you see these blitzes and it's like dudes are a second or two from getting home. And But, I mean, it doesn't look like to me offensive coordinators, and certainly Wake went gunning early and often, right? Like, their whole point was to just throw the ball, right? We're going we're to throw the ball deep. We're going to challenge them, and, and, and they got those one-on-ones. I don't know if Virginia needs to start playing, you know, more coverage, you know, dropping dudes back or what, but, like, whatever they're work, doing right now is not working. Um, and then there's also just, like, the, the big-picture component of all this, right, which is a lot of these guys were dudes last year who carried a certain, like, role with the team, right? There is something to be said for pressure that comes with meeting and exceeding expectations, right? So last year they win the Coastal, they beat Tech, they go to the Orange Bowl, they still have plenty to work on. There's all obviously the offseason was not what it should have been and such and such and such. There's a lot on there's a lot to be said for <laughs> building a program. Um, there's a lot to be said, right, for that next piece, right? So now you've you've bumped up against the ceiling, as Dave said the other day, right? You've bumped up against it. You've You've done something kind of good. Now you got to kind of do a little bit more. Well, what are you going to do to get there? Because you're not going to be able to get there just doing the same stuff you've done, right? And as I watch this team, I just see, like, it, it's almost like growing pains, right? It's like growing pains mixed with, like, scheme issues mixed with COVID-19, right? Yeah. It's very odd. And, and it's and it's in all three of these problems, like if it was a Venn diagram, there's not a whole lot of ways for you to, like, kind of – Put, drop something in there that takes care of two of them at once, right? You're almost going to have to address all three separately, but at the same time, which obviously is going to put a big strain on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, you look at the margin of defeats, and, you know, it's been three pretty good thumpings on, you know, the final scoreboard. But in both of the last two games, Virginia had a chance. And so, like, look, I mean, we're piling on the defense because I think we all expected – well, I don't think – I know we all expected better of them going into the season than we've seen. Um, but at some point, like the team, a plus for the program as a whole and the team as a whole is they have found ways to get back in the game despite, you know, when they could easily hang their heads, especially at the beginning of the weight game, um, coming up what they did against state, like the team didn't hang their heads. They, you know, they fought, they got back in it and, you know, it was a tie game for a while. Heck, they had a chance to take the lead a couple times. Um, and there's something to be said for that resolve. And, you know, I think you heard Bronco this week kind of pointing to that because when you're trying to <laughs> – when you got some guys down on himself, you got to point at, you know, you got to point out the positives. And that is a positive. Um, which leads me to my second issue with this team, which is I think if, if there's evidence that it's some 
you know, preparation issues, you know, code, if you will. Um, it's the special teams play. Like, because they were, even after they gave up that long run to for Wake to go back in the lead, they could have gotten, they had a chance to get the ball back and they, they fumbled the special, you know, fumbled the, the little pooch kick, which is yet another week where the special teams are not only, it's not that the special teams aren't netting you positive plays, they're giving you negative plays week after week. Um, so even when your team, the defense kind of writes the ship for a little while and the offense kind of figures things out, the other side of the ball, third side of the ball there, is letting a team down that's, that's operating on a razor-thin margin right now. Um, and that's something we definitely did not see last year. You, you can argue that the maybe what we're seeing from the defense is what we saw in the last six games. Um, but you cannot argue that, you know, we, we know we lost Joe Reed and, and every, everything else with, you know, with the special teams. But you've got Delaney back. you got your punter back. You've got a year where this year doesn't count, so you should be able to play extra guys that maybe you wanted to redshirt typically to give you some depth for special teams so you're not running starters out there. But we're still playing starters and we're still seeing mistakes, um, which have directly, you know, NC State blocked block field, you know, block punt that ended up what they scored on that drive at seven points. Um, missed field goal against these. Was it? Yeah. Was it this week they missed a field goal or last week? Uh, this week. I think, this I week. think okay. Broncos said 43 points off of turnovers in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and two of those at least are special teams. Yeah. And um, so, like, I think it's easy to say, oh, this whole thing is a wreck. And maybe if that was the case, I wouldn't be as upset as I am. But, you know, it, it's the defense has got some issues, but they've managed to, like, right the ship enough to get, you know, you know, play, pairing with what the offense is able to do to get them back in the game. And then it just seems the last two weeks, every time that momentum gets built up, the special teams mess up. Um, and then the and dumb penalties, which is something else we didn't see with this team. So, I mean, I think those are correctable. I, I don't know how you can easily correct um, the issues with the secondary, you know, especially injury issues. But they're correctable, and you're right. Like if you look at teams like Alabama and everyone else, like the elite teams are giving up more points than they typically do, just because you you didn't have as much live practice um, in the fall, but. You know, I don't think you need to throw out the. I don't think the team is lost yet. Like there, there's potential there. It's just it's so frustrating that if you look at the schedule, like even if they play better, they could still be one and five. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Two things. One, I feel like. Well, one, I think your 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 point about special teams is well taken, and and for those for those listeners out there, Dave has been. Um, pretty adamant about the special teams for a while um it's hard that's for kind. me that's kind i think it's it's hard for me to accept that losing joe reed has just completely changed virginia's everything right you mentioned the 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 thing i wrote about complimentary football which for the record it's complimentary with an e and not with an eye brad um so what is super frustrating to me in watching this team right is joe reed is good like joe reed is probably the best returner Virginia's ever going to have, right? He didn't do it on his own, though, right? And field position was such an incredibly crucial part of the puzzle for this team. The complementary aspect of Virginia football cannot be overstated. Like, they are – it would be like Tony Bennett's team not being able to rebound, right? That's ex- Actually, that's exactly what it is, right? You can't play a pack line defense 
and run their offense the way they do if you give the teams other possessions, right? Like if you if you don't rebound the ball, it, it, it all goes for naught, right? Yeah. You can't play complimentary football if you if you're not playing field position well. And you're exactly right. Like the issues like co- it's it's coverage, it's return, it's everything. Um, kickoffs going out of bounds, you know. Um, you know, Nash Griffin, I think, has done a pretty good job. Delaney has been solid, except for a couple of kicks out of bounds, and obviously he missed the one uh, field goal. But it 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 it's frustrating to me to watch this team and think to myself, okay, who else? What what else changed in here, right? Because whatever the scheme was was great. Whatever the you know whatever personnel decisions were made were the right, right? Because like. I mean, last year you knew even if Joe Reed got one three yards deep, he was going to get that thing past the 25. And you knew, like, you know, their punt return game has never been strong, but their kick return game and their coverage stuff has always been good. Now, maybe you could make the argument that some dudes who were in those roles last year are now in bigger roles, but, I mean, there's still starters here and there. Um, Oh, there's starters all over the place. You know, and so I think part of it could be that that essentially what you're having, what you – what you what you can see on the field, right? In like from scrimmage, right? Like you can see from scrimmage that Virginia's defense is not playing very well, right? And I don't know if dudes are are just not able to to kind of put that behind them or what. But clearly, special teams has been impacted, and that is, you know, if if Virginia's special teams was better, right? Think about this: you could you, they pop that touchdown. Okay, now you're down. You get the ball back. The offense was you know in a decent spot, right? They weren't like you know cooking with hotcakes. But they were they weren't. Um, I think it's just cooking hotcakes, cooking like hotcakes. <laughs> you cooking with peanut oil or anyway, my, my digress. But like if you if you just field the kick, and I watched them going through that drill, right where they had the, all the dudes in that spot who would be in that spot doing the same thing. Coach throws the ball super high in the air, right? Dude who's not new, used to returning waves gets under it, and none of them dropped it. Like I watched that drill uh, pregame. Now that's I understand live is very different, but here's a guy. Paris Jones is a dude that you, you you know you thought you might be able to put in the game at times, right? Um, all he's got to do there is just catch the ball, um, or not go after. You know what I'm saying? Like not make the decision yeah. to like let it like it was a. I don't I don't even know. But I do think your point about special teams is well taken, and clearly to me something is amiss. And the question is that should be the one that's easiest to fix, right? Um, you can't all of a sudden become a better athlete and, and be better at cornerback. But what you can do is like get schematically. You mentioned like, oh, it's a it's a free year, so everybody should be free, dude. They should have enough guys at this point where they don't need to be worrying about too many true freshmen out there for that, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's not true. this year. That not not given their injury situation, not given their depth, and certainly not given the 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 number of defensive backs that they've got. Uh, and you know, maybe yeah, part I mean- of it too is that they don't have Lamont Atkins. You know, maybe that's part of it, but man, yeah. it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Like, you know, if you look at the whole picture, right? If you're trying to reduce exposure and all that stuff and contact tracing and all that, like, special teams is probably going to suffer. Live special teams practice is probably going to suffer. You're not going to risk guys for that if it means taking off snaps from offense or defense. Um, that's kind of why I brought up the, you know, being able to use guys without reprieve you know because uh, if you got some guys who you know aren't going to play offense and defense you can have them work in special teams um without risk but you know i think it's easy and you know in our little in-game thread that's when i lost it like saturday like i was upset at the beginning but that fumble was it because the special teams because they had a decent kick return early that was called back for uh, after the you know 
and after the scrimmage foul, I believe that was on Mish, right? I think Mish had two bad fouls, um, kind of diving on the guy at the end of the play. And then they had, you know, the, the kick out of bounds, Dunkel kicked, and he did all right. I think, you know, he had plenty of kicks. Um, most of them went out of the end zone, except for the one where he kind of directionally kicked to the corner, which we have seen. I think that's our third kick out of bounds this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating. It, it was 23 to 30 when they fumbled that ball, and it was, you know, I believe it was 23 30. Um, we're down by seven, yeah. And then the next play, you're down, you know, within four plays after that fumble, you're down 14 again early in the fourth quarter um, after the offense had put together 23 points over a little less than two quarters and, you know, had some momentum going. So it's just frustrating. It's, you know, everything that, is applauded when, when Virginia was playing well last year, you know, complimentary football. Like yeah. it, it's just not there. It's just not there. And, yeah. and the hardest thing is, um, you know, it's sort of every week, right. You mentioned before, like, you know, we basically watched a lot of bad football over the course of this podcast. Um, and it was kind of nice for a few years there, right. Where you didn't have to worry about bad football really popping up. You know, you sort of understood who Virginia was going to be and who they weren't. Um, you know, it's, um, <laughs> not that that uncertainty is is tough you know um you know that none of the pieces are seeming to work that this isn't you know what i mean like it's tough yeah. to kind of recriminate essentially every week you know what i mean like all right well what are they you know and i remember in those early days in that 2016 season bronco essentially would come to the monday presser and he would say all right x was the problem and they would actually go out and by the next saturday x got fixed but then there was another x right some you know some some other thing popped up um, some other bone flew out and, you know, they just kept chasing that ghost. And now it's like, gosh, I thought they were past the whole chasing the ghost phase. Um, now I, if we're, we're half an hour in, we should, we should be mindful of like one, like I, I in no way, shape or form. <laughs> and I, and I know I, I, I speak for everybody here. I in no way, shape or form think I know everything that's going on with them. And, you know, like, I, I would I would like to hear more from the staff about like less I would like to hear less about like oh dude just need to execute and more about like all right we need we, we there's some things we've 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 identified and targeted and we need to we need to change a few things up I, I don't think you're just gonna out execute this problem right yeah um today's point earlier I think some a lot of these things are addressable fixable tangible things um but they're not you just you know what I mean but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they're all fixable. It's just now you've put yourself in a position where if you've got to do more than just fix the little issue you, you got. You've got to fix and, exp, you know, and be better um, because you know, unfortunately your your stumble came during what does arguably should have been one of the easier two game stretches until towards the end of the year. Um, and, and that puts you in a tough spot. I mean, it, you know, at some point. You know, these are still young kids. They're still not able to do what normal kids do. And we, we talked about this preseason. Like, what do you do when a team is 0-4? You know, dealing with all these restrictions is pretty good when you're when you're doing well. But, you know, Virginia's, you know, unless they have a miraculous and spoiler alert, I'm guessing none of us are picking them to win this weekend. Um, you know, unless Virginia upsets a top, what, 12 team in the next two weeks, they're staring at one in five. And at that point, like a whole lot of stuff starts to come in question. Um, 
So it's just not only is what they've done so far been bad, it's the timing of it couldn't be worse, you know, given their schedule. Um, you know, it's it just so frustrating, too, because, you know, they, I think both games, the last two games, you know, you're, you're like, oh, here it is. And, and then they fight back. And then at the end, you get it, it's the Charlie Brown effect. It, it feels so familiar for someone who's been watching this program for so long. But also, like, like you're saying, just unfamiliar because we haven't seen it under this coaching staff. Um, and, you know, when you look at the changes that were made in the offseason and everything else, like, you know, and I'm guilty of it, too. Like, it's easy to say, hey, we're having special teams problems. But, you know, we had a dedicated special teams coach until this year. Um, so it just, you know, it, I think it's easy to critique. And I will continue to do it because, you know, I, I, I love this program. I love watching them play. I hate seeing them lose. Um, and I hate – I was hoping – maybe this is – maybe this is what lies at the whole thing is like, I think as a Virginia fan who, who suffered through what we had seen over the last 10 or 15 years, it's that you had this, and I think you hit on it. It's you had this confidence that even if you lost, you weren't going to lose doing something dumb you know, or, or feeling like you, you played poorly. It was just, you got outplayed. And in the last two weeks, you've seen mistakes cost you games. Um, poor play cost you games and and that feels all too familiar for most Virginia fans all right let's talk about some fun things like Miami um I guess I should give a spoiler alert and say I don't think Ferber is going to make it to to joining us tonight um he he just texted in a a number so um not like a number (laughs) to call but like a number for the game so we will uh we will hopefully catch him next week my apologies for opening the show and saying he was coming when when it didn't work out but he said there was a chance so I was hoping that it might work out um. All right. So Miami is with that kickoff, didn't he? Yeah. Miami is the number eleven team in the country. He's going to listen to this and be mad at you. Um. Miami is the number eleven team in the country. Derek King is really, really good at football. Um. Are we about to find out what it's like to face Bryce Perkins? That's the question. I, I mean, I personally think King. There's there's some of it in there, but it's different. How would you assess King and what Miami's offense, the problems they present for UVA? Well, I would say. Knowing UVA like I do, like uh, I've come at a little slanted, but I think if you're if you're a team facing Miami, your number one's goal has got to be to not let him run. You've got to almost God, what was that old? What was that quarterback for? Well, like when Grove played Clemson, when Woody uh, Woodrow Dancer was a quarterback, and he I don't know if you remember that game. Like that entire game, Virginia did not try to rush. They just tied up blockers at the line of scrimmage and put their hands up because he's a short guy who could hurt you more running than passing. And that's, I think that's how you play him. Um, Cause he is like as fast and dynamic and especially he is with the ball in his hand. He's only like five ten, five eleven, So it's obviously easier for him to pass outside the pocket. So you want to keep him in the pocket. So he's a not running and b hard for him to see his targets. Um, I think, I still think even with the issues Virginia's had in coverage, that's probably the better way to play him is, you know, kind of big gap sound, tie up blocker. So, you know, and keep him in, in the pocket because once he gets outside the pocket, he's a much better passer outside the pocket because he can see better. He, he's athletic enough to, to throw the ball well. And, you know, and when he runs, he is dynamic. Um, the one thing he's not Perkins on is height. So, yeah, I think forcing to the pocket is, is mission one. Yeah, I th- I think so too. I think one thing about 
you know, about this game to me. And Bronco says this sometimes, and some weeks it just doesn't sit right when he says the whole thing. Like, well, this is much more about us than it is about them. Um, I think in some ways, even though Miami has a number te- number eleven team in the country, I, I, it's not even to me at least. It's not even about them. Like UVA needs to get its its own house straight. You know, like stuff is just strewn everywhere in that house. You know what I mean? Like it, nothing makes sense right now. Um, offensively, we understand that whatever happens with the quarterback situation happens. Um, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the fact that, you know, Brendan Armstrong is at least now back at practice. Um, and I said today that he was, what, how did he say it? He was stretching and, and moving around. Um, but that was basically it. And then he deferred us to, to coach Mendenhall as if we just, you know, get multiple opportunities during the week to talk to Bronco. Um, which is basically for confirmation. He's back in practice. Yeah, exactly. He's at least back <laughs> in some way, shape or form. So do we, we see him on Saturday night? I'm, I'm dubious, probably because what they had last week kind of worked. And I think one of the things that um, if you're just coaching staff, you're thinking, all right, do we want to go to Miami trying to get Brennan back in the saddle, or do we want to go to Miami and give them another look at this thing and just expand what we've asked these dudes to do? I think it's going to be option B, um, but you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, in addition to that, we don't know the status of Ronnie Walker. And I'm not saying that like having Ronnie Walker is going to like change UVA's offense, but having another running back probably would help, uh, especially one who is well versed in being able to play both the run and the pass. Um, I think that he seems there. There's a lot of what we saw in the first few weeks of the season, right when Brennan was in the games, that felt like this was the offense Ronnie Walker was supposed to be in. Right now, not a whole lot of it is different per se, but in terms of just the way it looked. Um, now we don't know, and I have not heard specifically. Um, I mean, there were, there were some rumblings, but I haven't heard it from anybody. I trust that his, his absence is COVID related. I just, I'm just going to state this very clearly for the record. He was cleared. Bronco said he became ill and then UVA announced one new COVID case or excuse me. They announced one COVID case, right? One player who was going to be held out. Now they have not said that that player is him. They also didn't tell us who the other players were, and one of them was very clearly Grant Mish, right? Um, so I don't think that there's um, – I don't think if – you're, if you're thinking Ronnie's going to be there Saturday, I'm very much – I'm Missouri here. Just, I'm going to wait till, he, till he's out there, um, or at least until UVA says, um, you know, that the, you know there are no guys being held out or whatever. Because um, even then, I mean, it could be – I mean <laughs> – that's the, that's the weird thing about a pandemic. There are other things that you can get sick with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like not everything exactly. is COVID-19. Um, so, yes, I think that this game for me about is about, to, for Virginia's standpoint, is about Virginia, right? Like Miami wants to come in. You know what Miami wants to do. Um, you know, that's a, a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. You mentioned Dance. I, I, that, kid, it, that kid is what I think every school probably wants at quarterback, right? A dude who can move, but a dude who can also throw it, right? Um, he's very good at it. And Bronco mentioned, you know, Trevor Lawrence. He's like, that might be a different analog, but he's still a really athletic dude who moves around and puts a lot of stress on you in terms of being able to move, but also throws the ball very well. Um, man, I don't know what Virginia's going to do at defensive back. Um, you know, Bronco didn't have any update on those guys on Monday. Um, pretty sure I saw Blunt in the second half with his shoulder pads on. So I'm guessing maybe he could come back um i'm not i i don't have any read on on cross or on nelson 
I wonder if, to your point earlier, dude, like maybe one of the things that helps them sort of figure this out is the fact that they don't have these guys, right? So now they have to basically look with fresh eyes at yeah. Darius Braden, at Antonio Clary, at, uh, you know, D'Angelo Amos obviously going to get a lot of burn. Um, it looked like to me they were playing Braden in, in, a, in the sort of Nelson slot role. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right look for him, um, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on what, if, if Virginia doesn't have any of those three DBs or some combination they're in, I kind of feel like that actually gives him the opportunity to change some things up, right? No, you, yeah. you clearly don't feel the same way about their experience as you do your other dudes. So what does that change for you? Are you just going to throw those dudes out on an island too? Like, what do you think? I mean, look, I thought Clary played really well. Um, and Bratton did as well. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I like Nelson. He, you know, I, I like Blonde. I like, I like, you know, Cross has, Cross has played well um, at, at times. You know, you, you have to give Cross the benefit of the doubt. He's a quarterback who recruited, and he's played like 17 positions since he's been at Virginia. Um, and I think his more natural position is probably safety, but because of the roster, he, he's playing DB. And he's he's a physical receiver, you know, physical DB. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you got some changes back there, you know, I think you play more zone. You, you play a little more, you know, cover two. Um, my hunch is if, if for some reason, Blunt, Nelson, and Cross are all out for Saturday, um, which is not out of the realm of possibility by any means, I wouldn't be shocked to see Taylor playing more, you know, more of a safety role. Um, maybe you go three, three, five with Taylor kind of playing that role or, or maybe you just let Taylor play, you know, the second inside linebacker and, and play a lot of zone out of that or have a lot of drop coverage out of that and, you know, play GOM and, and, and Snowden. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd kind of like to see some of Horton or Williams if you're in passing downs, but yeah, I mean, I think like, you're right. Maybe it does create, you know, result in them doing some things that maybe helps them um, because they don't trust the guys as much because they don't know them as much. But, um, you know, we've never seen a very lead. You know, we haven't seen, we've never seen Bronco call a defense that wasn't aggressive. You know, I know he's not the coordinator, but we've never seen a, a defense under Bronco that, that wasn't aggressive, even when they didn't have the pieces that on paper they have now. Um, but to me, like that's the key to beat Miami. I think they're going to hurt you when you're aggressive. Um, I thought if Wake Forest can do it, Miami's definitely going to do it. So if there's a time to roll out a different scheme and kind of play safe, it's this weekend. Um, because, you know, you, you beat Miami and all of a sudden, like all these, these wounds start healing a little faster. Um, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. Miami's not great, and they're a team over the year. I mean, they're very, very good. They're not elite. They're not Clemson, right? Um, but they're a team who, over the years, have shown a you know propensity to kind of not take some games as big as others. Um, you know, we, we've seen them in the past have good starts and bad finishes. So, you know, it'd be nice to be the, the reason they have a bad finish. All right, I'm going to toss out a really random idea. I think Virginia should go 4-3 because I think, and I understand that's, that changes a lot of different things, so bear with me. Dude, I am impressed with Briggs and Carter. I think those two guys are really, really good. And right now, 
getting more good dudes on the field is probably not a bad idea. Um, what's your immediate response? Don't you love how they just sprung that on you? Um, what's <laughs> well, your... I'm, I'm kind of an anti four three guy now. Okay, um, tell me why. Um, I, I think in today's game, the three four or a you know, three man line, and whether it's three linebackers and five DBs, whatever, I, I just think you know a four three is more geared to stop just a traditional eye eye running game. Um, Look, Carter and Briggs are really good, but they're not going to – they're not dynamic in, you know, defensive tackles in a 4-3. Correct. Those guys tend to have different body types. Correct. Uh, I get what you're saying, but I think this defense, to me, like is really good against the run. That's what's getting lost in all this pass. That's a good, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. They have been solid against um, the run. The problem yeah. is, is that and, teams don't have to run against them very much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when the teams are running, it's when they're – now, some of that might be because when the teams are running, it's because they're up 14. Right. Um, and you can kind of figure it's coming. But, um, yeah, I think when, you, when you're when you looking at Briggs and Alonzo and um, whoever's playing the other d- defensive end spot for that play, like, they've done a really good job of tying up linebackers, which kind of makes Snowden's like a production even more questionable. But, um, yeah, I think I, – I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that the Woody Dancer defense is the way to play this one. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and maybe they versus maybe Sam Howell, where you were going to just have to bring the house. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I tend to think that um, maybe if you went to to a a dedicated sort of three three stack, right? Yeah, um, which Bronco in the past has said is his preferred defense. Right. Just for the record. Yeah, <laughs> my my reasoning for bringing up this four three idea is one. You know, I I was and I have been and continue to be. I do think that the loss of Aaron Fenmoe has changed things a little bit for this team. I I just felt like they were much more dynamic when offensive lines had to contend with him. Um, Briggs has definitely improved. And your point earlier, you know, guys aren't progressing. He's the one dude I can just point to and say, okay, that kid's getting better. Like whatever Clint sent him and, and company are doing with him with those dudes, that guy's getting better. And frankly, the way Carter has played, I, I mean, sent him is like at this point right now, the the best assistant on the team. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's taken a, a really good piece in Briggs and made him better. And he's gotten Carter up to speed really fast in a way that, I mean, I, frankly, I didn't expect, but to your point, like, you're right. Like, I think this week's especially like defending this kid, probably not the best idea to put more bulk on the field. Um, I just think those dudes are really physical. And I think that's one thing that this defense has not shown me a lot of is, true physicality and I don't mean just like oh guys swarm to the ball and jump on the pile I mean just being able to just flat out move guys right and I feel like these guys those two kids are doing a great job of just getting where they want to go um and the idea for me then if, if you if in a, in a four three right so you know who your four are up front you know who your two outside guys are um I mean I know it's probably sacrilege to say maybe you take Zandier off the field or you have some sort of rotation but I would probably trust Jackson there more than I would, at least as of right now. Again, my very, very long history of being a defensive coordinator, um, <laughs> notwithstanding. But I, I just I, I think that one thing you need to do, and your point about this this matchup is well taken, because you're probably going to need to drop some dudes back and keep some dudes. You know, you're not going to be able to just rush the passer and think you're going to. You know what I mean? Like this kid's going to move everywhere. Right, you don't know where the launch point's going to be, um, and, and if yeah, you, no one thing, and if you do, he's yeah. going to move it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you have to remember it's Miami. Who Miami is? 
like Miami is a front running team, right? Like, they're not planning on coming out and playing four quarters. They want to come out and bury you early because, you know, you're, you're Virginia and they're Miami. So anything you can do to kind of make them have to work, I think is to your advantage. Like coming out and blitzing, going crazy and giving them a chance to hit 85, you know, 80 yard pass over your head and get that momentum going and all that stuff. I think that hurts you against a team like them. Um, so, you know, playing soft coverage and, and doing that, that's a way I'd handle it. I don't know if we will, but that's the way I'd handle it. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. We are 48 minutes into this thing. Um, let's get to our predictions. Uh, I believe Ferber said in the preseason, let me get back to it here. Hold on, my little, my little pieces of paper. Um, in the preseason, Ferber had, I believe, Miami winning this 27-21. He's now switched that to, I believe, 35-24. Um, he was not good like Dave and provided uh, any sort of um, <laughs> reasoning for his his choice. Uh, Dave, in the preseason, you had Miami winning this thing 17-13. I'm going to go out on a limb and think you, you think more points are getting scored in this game now. Uh, yes, I am. I mean, uh, I'd like yes. to say no. <laughs> I mean, that's a 30. I could safely take the under in that situation. Um, look, I, I think we're going to see improvement from Virginia before because like deep down, like, you know, I'm, I'm fully bought into the staff and, you know, I made a joke on Twitter about opting out for the season and, you know, that, that might've been the, the anger talking. Um, someone who had season tickets and attended every game to two and 10 teams don't, don't tend to opt out. Uh, I expect to see, you know, improvement, whether that's enough to actually make the game winnable, probably not. Um, barring just if Virginia wins this game, it's going to be because they win the turnover battle by a couple, um, which would be kind of a shot given what we've seen so far. Um, I, I, I'm hoping they come out with a kind of a different defensive game plan, make Miami get five yards at a time and make a little, you know, Instead of beating them with deep plays and offensively, like if Brennan's back or he's not, um, like I mean, I think you can move the ball. I, I think Virginia's offense—it's it, kind of—it is what it is, right? They're, they're going to be chunk plays. At this point, you know, five years into an eye, you know, an eye stint here, um, a running. It's, it's another Charlie, Charlie Brown reference. When he talks about running the ball, like, I think we need to understand like when he a running game under Robert and I is going to involve the quarterback. And whether that's read option or the quarterback himself running it, if the quarterback's not a run option, your running game's probably not going to be productive. Um, so if Brennan's not back, I expect to see the three-headed monster. With, and I think you know Thompson is a very plus athlete. Um and Armstead, I thought, did well, too. So I, I think Virginia can move the ball a little bit. But I think Miami will win. Maybe it's close going to the fourth quarter and you know, Virginia presses and makes a mistake. So I'll go 34 to 24 Miami. Um, not much different than Justin's. Yeah, I uh, picked Miami to win this thing in the preseason. If you'll recall, we had, you know, at this point I was like, oh, you know, Virginia's, you know, doing pretty well, and then this is going to be the one that trips them up, and then they're going to come back and beat Carolina. Um, yeah, not so much. Uh, I had 33-27 Miami. I'm going to stick with that, um, even though I don't know if Virginia's going to be able to to really put that together. Uh, listen, Virginia's defense has given up so many points at this point, it's tough 
to think they're not going to give up more, you know, as you know, less than you know, something under thirty, right? Um, I mean, Miami's talented, um, and I know we we didn't really get into a whole lot of like the X's and O's of it, but I think the King kid is just, I mean, that's the answer, right? Like he's that good. Um, the one benefit I thought about this week, dude, is like maybe this actually helps Virginia in a way because its defense is used to having to play against Bryce Perkins sometimes. Um, maybe, but he's a different kind of guy, right? Like he, you know, Bryce is somebody who sort of wants to run, whereas this kid is really good at running, but he sort of runs to throw. And his obviously his arm talent is different. Um, so yeah, I got I got Virginia going down and, and coming back with an L. But you know what? The strangeness of the season, it would make sense that Virginia would go and be on the road at a top 15 team and then figure it out. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that, 100%. That would be it. Um, all right, I think that's a, a good place to put a pin in it. Um, I don't think we need to do, like, the um, – I don't think we need to do the um, the headlines for the next day until some, some fun turns around. Um, but uh, hopefully we have the whole crew back next week. Um, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you don't mind, uh, give us a rating and a review. Helps to get us out in front of more people. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet and you're tired of me saying this every week, check out cadenscorner.com. Let's see. Uh, right now you can watch, uh, let's see, Ferber's Film Room was really, really good this week again, breaking down not only UVA's issues down the field in terms of stats, but also um, footage, you know, click GIFs and stuff. Um, got notes from um, Robert and I and Nick Howell's presser talking about injuries and preparing for, for Miami. Uh, the pro football focus grades are up. Um, somewhat different than I expected in ways, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, and, of course, we got the 3-2-1, the game week press conference, my weekend wrap, talking about complimentary football, and then Ferber's take two. So, anyway, give us a look. Uh, basketball season will be here in about a month. Um, <laughs> it's so funny that, like, that's actually happening. I don't know, just in my brain, you know, we, we went through football season. It was like, oh, man, is this really going to happen? And now they're going to do Bubbleville. But anyway, that's a thing. All right. Um, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave for giving graciously of his time. And hopefully we get uh, Ferber back next week. Um, it's always weird when it's just the one of you. Um, and I'm like, oh, I got to talk yeah, to you. It's very strange. But I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.